In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the things that I have noticed as I begin to get older, and some of you may agree with me on this, is I find it is harder and harder to maintain my ideal weight. And that's for a lot of reasons. One is I am in fact getting older, and as my doctor once told me, I'm on the wrong side of 28. Another issue is that I'm not as active as I once was, and after spending a great deal of time sitting down, be it if I'm driving or bookkeeping or reading or even when I was writing this sermon, I sit a lot now. But there's also one other great contribution that significantly um, adds to my <clears throat> more rotund figure, and that is my diet. There is not a hamburger that I will pass up easily. Most things that have chocolate or ice cream, they both seem to just call my name in the distance. John, we're here. After a long, hard day of working cattle or baling hay or building fence, an ice-cold beer sounds really, really good. And like so many other people, I too agree with Julia Childs that we need butter and full-fat milk and other fattening things in our meals to make them savory. And finally, in full confession before all of you, I will admit that I have been known to make entire meals out of bacon. Mm -hmm. And herein lies the problem. I want to be about 30 or 40 pounds lighter. I want my suits, my trousers, and my shirts to fit better. I want to reassemble myself from what I looked like when I was 25, lean and trim. The desire is there, but that donut at coffee hour is already whispering my name. But in order for me to get back into shape and into the shape that I want to be, I need to, of course, exercise, but perhaps most importantly for me, I need to look at my diet. I need to eat properly. I also need to consume more of certain foods and less of others. A salad at lunch with a cup of soup would probably be better for me than a chicken fried steak with 40 weight gravy and fried okra to boot. I need to deny myself some of the wonderful things I enjoy eating so I can attain to my goal. If any wants to become my follower, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Jesus is not simply talking about going on a diet, nor is Jesus talking about temporary unpleasantness that we sometimes find ourselves in. Nor is our blessed Lord saying that we need to make a choice for a moment in time and then consider our job done. Jesus is using a metaphor, the taking up of a cross as to what it means to be a Christian. The first thing that we should understand is that being Christian, if it is done properly, is just about the most difficult thing in the world to do because it means your death. Now, something we can never forget about the cross 
especially when Jesus and St. Paul and others of the first few centuries of Christianity are writing about it, is that the cross is not a symbol of life, but of death. People in those centuries would have found it odd that some of us wear a cross as a piece of jewelry or as an ornament. They would be very confused, much like one of us today seeing somebody wearing something that would resemble a hangsman's noose as an accessory to style up our appearance. Crosses were instruments of execution, and not just execution and death, but a torturous, excruciating death. That's where we get the word excruciating from the word crucifixion. So taking up your cross is not just carrying some heavy weight, having a heavy burden to bear, being inconvenienced for a little while. It is yoking yourself to that upon which you will die. Maybe not a physical death, like the martyrs of the church have done, but certainly a dying of your will, your ego, your own self-interests, denying all those things that the world says you need and following exactly where our master has gone, where he is going and being with him in the places where we find him. Following Jesus to Calvary, following and sharing his death is not optional for us. It is the way we must go. Losing our life for Jesus' sake is the only way we can find our true life. And because Jesus took an instrument of shame and death, and through his suffering turned it into a symbol of glory and honor, we must not only go to the places where people are suffering, but we must suffer alongside them. How do we do this? Well, let's start with this parish. We have a very successful food pantry ministry. People from all over San Patricio County come here to receive things that are essential for their living. And it's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. But leaving the food pantry aside, how are other ways, how are other ideas that or we could engage in as a parish to help people literally where they are, in the places where they have a difficult time escaping from. The question would be, how do we take Jesus to them? Not having them come here, but how do we go to them and take Jesus there? Richard Holloway once wrote about taking communion to a homebound person who lived in government housing, and he described how dirty everything was how campy the furnishings were, and realizing eventually that even in that place, Jesus was still very much there, very much present, and very much needed. The line that he used in this essay, which I have come to like, is, Jesus went slumming with me. Jesus went slumming with me. So how do we, as this parish, how do we, and what do we need to do to take up our crosses and follow Jesus and perhaps even go slumming 
with him. Now, some of you may be saying, well, that's all well and good for you, but I can't do that. And the answer to that is not, oh, fine, thank you very much, but instead, then let us look for places where we can or where you can take up your cross and follow Jesus. There's not a day. There's perhaps not even many hours where the demands on our lives by Jesus doesn't cry out for us to do something about what we see. There's the classic examples of mowing the widow's yard or helping a neighbor with a fence or for our young people making friends with the person in your class who isn't very popular and helping them to stand up to the bullies in their lives. But what we mustn't do is confuse simply being nice or simply lending a helping hand as what's good enough and what is needed. Because it's about looking at this world with the same eyes as Jesus sees the world and laboring for the transformation of this world into what God's vision for all of creation is. Mere niceties must or will not do. But learning to follow Jesus Laying aside our egos and our smugness and embracing what the gospel song calls the old rugged cross is what is needed to focus our vision into God's vision of what creation is and of what our role in it is to be. But all of it requires giving up part of ourselves. We only can learn to do that bit by bit, little more each day, a bit more this week and a bit more the week after, until we find ourselves having an easier time sacrificing our own needs and desires so that others around us can have an easier time in the world here. Jesus took up his cross, walked the long road to his death outside of Jerusalem, to Golgotha, sometimes we call it Calvary, and it was there that he went to die. He went there to die for you, for me, and for this broken, yet still good and very much loved world. In the suffering of our Savior, Jesus redeems all that was broken and stained and tarnished. Jesus not only calls us into that suffering, but invites us to participate in it so that we too can play our part of ushering in this new creation, being part of those who help to heal the world. We are not called to be spectators, watching everything around us like people watching a movie or a play. Instead, we are called to take part in the action, to be part of the story, because that is what following Jesus means. Just as Jesus suffered and died and lost his life for the salvation of the world, and therefore God raised him up on Easter Day and glorified him, so too we are called to lose our lives for Jesus' sake, so that on the great day of resurrection that is to come, we too will be raised and glorified by him. If Jesus is our pattern and our example, and if Jesus is whom we emulate, 
then we must do the same things that Jesus did, which includes self-sacrifice, self-giving love, and dying to self. Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, become my followers. Let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit, or some translations say, but lose their life? Or what will they get in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. A prayer by Charles Henry Brent, sometime Bishop of the Philippines and Bishop of Western New York. This is actually one of our colleagues at morning prayer. Lord Jesus, who did stretch out thine arms of love, on the hard wood of the cross, that all men might come within the reach of thy saving embrace. Clothe us in thy spirit, that we, stretching forth our hands in loving labor for others, may bring those who know thee not to the knowledge and love of thee, who with the Father and the Holy Ghost livest and reignest one God. Amen.